Welcome to the new normal of Truthsight TV. I am Nilanta Ilangamua. Today we are going to discuss about Hong Kong. Hong Kong is one of the special administrative regions of the People's Republic of China. A former British colony, Hong Kong was handed over to China in 1997. Since the handover, Hong Kong residents have accused Beijing of overstepping its authority. The Umbrella Movement was a series of protests in 2014 that called for more transparent elections for the city's chief executive. In 2019, protests erupted in Hong Kong over a proposed bill to allow extraditions to mainland China. Recently, China has introduced a new national security law for Hong Kong. The new law's key provisions include that crimes of secession, subversion, terrorism and collusion with foreign forces are punishable by a maximum sentence of life in prison. Is Hong Kong in danger? My guest today is former chairperson of Democratic Party of Hong Kong, one of the main political movements in territory. She was the first woman directly elected to the Legislative Council of Hong Kong in 1991. Emily Lao is joining by me from her residence in Hong Kong. Emily Lau, welcome to the new normal of Truthsight TV. Thank you. Thank you very much. You are known as the Hong Kong Iron Lady. That's not true. I, well, that's what people say. Yeah. Don't believe everything people say. <laughs> right, right. And a few years ago, as a journalist, you have had an opportunity to meet former Prime Minister of UK, Margaret Thatcher, when on her way back to home from uh, China and uh, yeah. the, the real Iron Lady. Yeah. And then you get yes. the chance to uh, talk to her. And then how was that experience? Let's start this discussion with that experience. Well, that was very long time ago. <laughs> that was December of mm -hmm. 1984, maybe before you were born, <laughs> long time ago. At that time, I was the Hong Kong correspondent of the uh, Far Eastern Economic Review, which is a, uh, a English language weekly magazine. Yep. And, uh, and on that occasion, Mrs. Margaret Thatcher, who was the prime minister of UK, yep. uh, she had just signed the Sino-British Joint Declaration with the Chinese Premier, uh, mm -hmm. Zhao Ziyang, in Beijing. Mm. So after she signed the agreement, uh, she came to Hong Kong to call a press conference. It was at 8 a.m. in the morning, very early, because she was rushing to, get, to go back to the UK. And I was at the press conference, and then I said to her, I said, Prime Minister, two days ago, you signed an agreement with China, promising to deliver over 5 million people into the hands of a communist dictatorship. Is that morally defensible? Or is it really true 
that in international politics, the highest form of morality is one's own national interest. And of course, she was prepared for such questions. And in fact, different journalists also asked this question after me, you know, because it's a very pressing question. And uh, she replied in a very condescending manner. It was classic Thatcher. She said, what do you mean? <laughs> Britain has done everything we could for Hong Kong. We've done our best for you. And everyone in Hong Kong is happy with the agreement. You may be a solitary exception. <laughs> and I think in George Orwell's book, 1984, solitary exception is the definition for insanity. So that's what Maggie thought of me. <laughs> now I think I'm proving I'm not solitary exception. I'm, I'm a big majority. Many people think that it was wrong for Britain to do that. And now that the Chinese are turning on us like this, many Hong Kong people are very frightened and very angry. And so finally, the United Kingdom, the current Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, came out to say that what China did, and that was to uh, make the law, the national security law, for us without our participation. It was just like the Joint Declaration. In those days, it was drafted without our participation. This time again, Beijing did it and foisted it on us. And Boris Johnson said that was in breach of the Joint Declaration. But there was nothing Britain could do because if you read the Joint Declaration, there was no clause saying if either party reneges on the promises there, what can be done? Where can they go for arbitration? There was no such thing. So Britain said, okay, if you breach the joint declaration, so Britain will open its doors to uh, Hong Kong people who hold the British national overseas passport. And of course, they estimate that there are about 3 million people in Hong Kong who hold the BNO passport. And they will also uh, give it to uh, not, not give the passport immediately, but they will allow people who hold the BNO passport to go and work or to study in the UK, live for five years, and then they earn the right of residence and earn the citizenship. And they can also bring their spouse, spouses, if they're not BNO passport holders, or bring their partners and children, the minors, so, uh, so that's what Britain think it can do in, 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 in the current very difficult and terrible circumstances. Right, right. Emily, you are a former chairperson of the Democratic Party, one of the largest political movements in Hong Kong. And you are the first woman directly elected to the Legislative Council of Hong Kong in 1991, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, what are the, what are the contributions you have made for the betterment of Hong Kong people? and the Hong Kong SAR is a special administrative region. Well, as, as you said, I was first elected in 91, and that was the first time that the Hong Kong people had the right to elect some members of yeah. the Hong Kong Legislative Council, which is our parliament. And since then, I have stood in election six more times. So altogether seven times, 
I have never lost an election. And so as a legislator and as leader of the Democratic Party, what we tried to do was to defend the Hong Kong people's interest to fight for their rights. And uh, although in spite of what Beijing said, I can assure you and your viewers that not too many people in Hong Kong are fighting for independence. In fact, many Hong Kong people want Beijing to keep the promises of the Sino-British Joint Declaration, in which they told the Hong Kong people, uh, don't worry, after 97, when they took back Hong Kong, uh, the Communist Party will not send carders to run Hong Kong. They say Hong Kong people will run Hong Kong under the mm -hmm. policy of one country, two systems, and a high degree of autonomy. So this is what Hong Kong people want. And of course, we want to develop democracy so that we can elect our government. The current chief executive, Carrie Lam, she was not chosen by the people. She was right, right. chosen but, by but, a committee of 1,200. Yeah, right. But, but my question is, what are the contributions you have made for the betterment of the Hong Kong people and the SAR? If you can just well, as uh, I said, put them in contact. Well, as I said, we try to defend yeah. the people's interests, the rights, right. and to the Hong Kong people. Now, many people regard Hong Kong as an economic city, and they call it an economic miracle, international right. financial center, which is important. But what the Hong Kong people cherish most is freedom and personal safety. Yeah. And although we are not a democracy, but the level of freedoms and personal safety and the rule of law, including the independence of the judiciary that we right. enjoy for quite a few years after 97, is mm -hmm. much higher than countries with periodic elections. So I can, you say, proudly or not proudly tell you that it's not just my party, but my party worked with millions of Hong Kong people to ensure that while we are under Chinese communist rule, but we can still continue to enjoy freedoms, the rule of law and personal safety. But now, because of the national security law, things have all changed. And people are very frightened. They fear they're living in a police state and they will right. lose their freedoms and right. personal Right. For the, for, the, for the first time in the history of Hong Kong, you have a woman chief executive, Carrie Lam. Hong Kong has earned a reputation for fighting equal rights for women. And you are one of the key players, if I remember. I have met you a couple of times when I was in Hong Kong as well. You are the, uh, one of the key players who is uh, advocating women's rights and equal opportunities in Hong Kong and elsewhere in East Asia especially. Yeah. Aren't you happy about the significant achievements? Aren't you happy about the, 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 you have a first time, for the first time in Hong Kong history, a woman chief executive? Not at all. I think what we are happy would be is if we can have the right to vote, the 7 million people to choose the chief executive, whether it's man or woman or whatever. But she was not chosen by us, just as I told you, she was chosen by a committee of 1,200. But now, the fact that Hong Kong is in such grave danger and difficulties, I think she is one of the main culprits because last year 
she tried to introduce an extradition bill which would enable the authorities to send people to mainland China for trial. And I can assure you, most of the Hong Kong people were against it. That's why you have seen sort of endless protests beginning in June last year. And then, of right. course, some of the protests got violent and the police beat them up. And, and we got the situation. So China said, okay, now I have to give you the national security law. So Carrie Lam, I can assure you, most Hong Kong people do not like her at all, men or women. So you please don't lump her with the fact that we have a woman leader. No way. <laughs> don't get us wrong. Right. In the last few, few years, of course, as you say, there was a series of protests. What we could see, the culture of protest has been dramatically changed in Hong Kong. And the most of protesters, at least a couple of groups, are there intending to damage the public properties. And, and then they are vandalizing the public uh, public properties in Hong Kong, which we can't accept. And therefore, the any government will decided to promulgate some strong laws against them. Well, I I certainly would tell you again, as I've told people many times, I myself and my party, we do not support violence. I've been and, in politics for so many decades. I've never resorted to violence although I have been arrested by the police on a number of occasions. So I do not support violence. And, but there are those, I think it's a, not a big number of people who did. And, uh, but what the government, I think government anywhere should do if they want to resolve such a difficult problem is they should reach out to have dialogue with the opposition. Maybe they say they can have not have dialogue with people who threw petrol bombs. But there are many political parties in the Legislative Council, many people in civil society who do not support violence, but who do not support the government either. They think the government was wrong. So there was this deadlock, this huge contradiction. So what one should do if one is in power is to invite some of the leaders of the opposition to sit down and have a dialogue to see how can have discussion and compromise and find a way out. But no, what did Carrie Lam do? She did nothing. She just asked the police to go and beat them up, beat them up. And today, now we in Hong Kong, we have close to 10,000 people being arrested. But you've seen the police beating a lot of people up but not a single police officer has been arrested. You look at in America, this pol right. the policeman killed George Floyd. What happened? They were arrested and charged. But here, nothing. The police that beat people up with impunity. That's why even those peaceful protesters are very angry. They are so angry with the government. And now the government says, okay, we can't handle you. So let Beijing handle you. We give you the national security law. And one country, two system is probably over. It's one country, one system. Now the national security, the public security are in Hong Kong. And they don't need to follow Hong Kong law. And they but can arrest people and they can take them back to mainland China. Right. But in the same time, there is sort of allegations is going on and these protesters were funding by some other organization and some other countries. So I don't know how well, far is it true. But uh, there well, is serious, uh, serious discussions in, uh, in, in press and other, other areas about this as well. Who, who are the people who are funding for these protesters to remain on the state for weeks and after weeks? 
Well, actually, the former chief executive, C.Y. Le, as you probably have heard of him, yeah. and he already made such accusation yeah. when he was chief executive. And he was challenged. He says, C.Y., give us the evidence. You cannot just make some remarks, make some accusation, and then uh, no evidence. You cannot do that. If you have a, live in a place that has the rule of law, you have to have evidence. So from that time on up to now, yeah, people keep repeating what you just said, but nobody has come forward with, with evidence. But if you look at other countries, when they say, oh, there were allegations of foreign interference, spying, they actually arrested people. They put them to trial. So, but here, nobody has arrested anyone or adduced any evidence of money or whatever. So they keep saying that. Now, okay, they have the national security law. Maybe they can get the evidence. I don't know. But what you said is something that has been said for many years. But nobody from Beijing or from the Kerry Lam administration has ever been able to produce any evidence or any witness. We decided to withdraw that extradition bill in last year. But then a few weeks ago, they have just uh, promulgated this national security laws. While talking about many people, of course, you are absolutely against such a law. But in the same time, some people talk uh, the positive side of this law, and especially some ordinary people living in, in Hong Kong. Let me quote one of the sources, which I found in one of the newspapers published in Hong Kong. And he think, and he believe, quote, I think the national security law will restore peace and prosperity in Hong Kong, and hopefully will bring more rationality and less hatred. Well, I hope, I hope there will be peace and stability, but that's not everything. As I told you earlier, what we cherish most is our freedoms and our personal safety. I don't think after talking to you, I will go out and get arrested immediately, no. But we just don't know when they will start arresting many people. People who not, have not broken the national security law but have said things they don't like. So I think people are very fearful. If you go around arresting people or even sending them to mainland China, that's not the Hong Kong we want. I don't know whether this person you just quoted, whether he would be very pleased to see all kinds of people getting arrested for no good reason. We have the rule of law here. We hope we still have an independent judiciary. This is the bedrock of our freedoms, but people fear that all oh, this is uh, disappearing very fast before our very eyes. But do you think that in China there is no rule of law? No, I don't think there's much. But you've never and, been uh, in China in the last 20 years. How can you get the... the but, well, we've seen many stories about the human rights lawyers, about dissidents, about journalists, environmentalists, people getting locked up, people being disappeared, and people who were tortured and disappear for years without trial. And even that the trial is in secret. And when there's a judgment, the whole world cannot see it. All this is not, it's not secret. You can see it, you can read about it. So, so that is the thing that people are afraid of. You know, here we, we have no democracy, but we have rule of law. There you have nothing and no protection. Yeah, but, but Emily, China has been dramatically changed and it has been developed and it has improved the, the daily life of Chinese in, 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 in mainland. 
and also not only about that china is helping other poor countries and developing countries to uplift their the their livelihood and aren't you happy about this well i certainly would like to see the people's republic of china getting more developed with more uh, people getting a better look after not have to live in poverty but i also hope that those people over there will enjoy freedoms and will have democracy one day and will not suddenly disappear because they say something on facebook and they don't have facebook but they if put something online they get arrested and their children will be arrested or i don't want that to happen people do not just want prosperity they want to have these what we call universal core values or freedoms and uh, you know human rights and personal safety i don't think they have much of that in mainland china but thing is china is uh, see see the way that china has controlled this pandemic and it's remarkable many people say that i don't know they say they are all going to investigate so you look at what the who finds out they keep saying they send people there but still haven't done so and the pandemic is going around the world 60 times a day and we got many many people dying it is very very sad it is a total total worldwide tragedy i would just want to know about what will happen to hong kong after this uh, national security law promulgated and there's a one year in the in the in the joint declaration which is 2047 what will happen to hong kong after 2047 nobody knows but you might have some hint to understand about what will the future look like in hong kong just give us a small message about that well it is very difficult to say if china is going to implement this law in a very harsh way cracking down on freedoms i think those who can they will leave especially now britain has opened its doors i told you earlier there are 3 million people here who have to be an old passport not all of them but quite a number of them will leave and then recently australia also opened its door and canada may do so too and maybe even in europe uh, germany and france and then america new zealand there are countries which are very supportive of hong kong people fighting for freedoms so they feel that if these people are in danger they would welcome them to go and live in their countries so let's see how bad things are going to be how many people are going to be arrested or disappeared or sent to mainland china and a censorship maybe the newspapers would be closed down like the apple daily or radio television hong kong everybody you know all these people would be shut up and books would not allowed to be published if they say things that beijing does not like if all these things happen if there's a reign of terror many people who can will leave but of course those who stay here i think they will still continue the struggle you've seen them struggling for a year they are not going to stop but i hope they will struggle in a peaceful and non-violent way but i guess even if they did that they could be arrested and so i i think people are very apprehensive and they of course they want to have freedom safety then they don't need to leave but if that's not going to be then i think those who can may try to find a way out I mean- Thank you so much for being with the new normal the platform serious talk of truth site tv thank you very much for your time and stay safe and well thank you bye bye